everybody. Hey, if you're brand new, let me tell you what it's about to play out. Uh, this should be insightful. We're going to open up different places in the Bible, the Word of God, and we're going to look at what I think God has to teach us. So that's the agenda, is that we would meet with God, hear from God, but not just like in an intellectually stimulating way. We actually believe wholeheartedly that God wants to teach us things, point things out, encourage us, and uh, this one maybe challenge us in some ways. So I hope, well, I don't know if you're ready yet. You'll know if you're ready as we go through this. We've been as a church taking the Bible from beginning to end. We're not quite at the end yet. But we've been going from beginning to end, looking at what God had to say about 10 of life's, I would say, biggest questions that you and I are asking. Very specifically, spiritual questions, but, but worldview questions, things about God, but things about purpose, things about how do I do life, how should I see life, how should I see other people, all that kind of stuff. So we've been answering questions. Today's questions are quite the doozy. Uh, and we, okay, let's just, let's just start lighthearted. Um, I want to show you a definition of the word hypocrisy, right? This is going to be, this is, okay, just, I, I thought, why wait? Why, why wait? Uh, if you don't know this, you can read surveys that are done, uh, typically involving people who don't go to church, and they're often asked, why don't you go to church, or what is your view about Christianity or Christians in general? And if you read enough of those surveys, you're going to get an overwhelming word called hypocrisy. Sorry to start off so negative, but this will make a point. Oftentimes, maybe too often, when people think of followers of Jesus or think of the capital C church, the word, hey, they don't even do what they say should be done. It's this, this deviation. That's why here's this definition of hypocrisy. It's basic. It's not a profound. It's like literally what does the definition say? It's, it's a behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or feel. You, you know that. But sometimes we don't like feel that and we need an example. So I found a funny example because I knew starting off a sermon, hey, let's talk about hypocrisy. Uh, I, I saw a video that, that got me thinking, and so I got to kind of uh, narrate the whole video. Let's, let's, let's see this uh, truck that's pulling up to this other truck. So far, we're fine. Everything's fine. There's no problems in the world. Uh, what you'll begin to see is there's a gas generator, gas generator, where is it? Right? Oh, it's charging the electric vehicle. Some of you, you're already have decided this is not your church. You're like, oh, I'm not making any kind of political statement or even a statement about electric vehicles at all. I just saw that and thought, huh, I have friends, probably you do too, maybe family members who feel that way about you and I. That maybe on the outside, we look, we value this. This is important to us. This is the kind of life that we say we should live. But if you were to kind of go inside, you'd say, wait a minute. You seem to be, in the classic terminology, not practicing what you preach. You seem to say this thing, but you're doing that thing. And when I saw that, I was like, huh, I wonder if that's not the exact visual, but the understanding that when you and I are saying we love Jesus, but you, you know you're not perfect, right? Do you, you, know, do you need me to say that? You, I'm not perfect. No, we, I think we all acknowledge that we're not perfect. But that gets interpreted and often seen later on by others as hypocrisy. 
So much so. People are like, I'm done with the church. I'm done with Christians. I don't want anything to do. If that's what it is, I don't want it. So there's our question. Why don't Christians look different than others? Another way to say that, right? Why are there hypocrites? Why are there Christians who say, this is important. You should live your life that way. You should value this. But then when you peel back the layers of their life, you're like, yeah, but you, you are not that. They, they, they call them in the old days. Those are, those are the Sunday Christians, right? And the folks that are the church Christians, but they would just, once they left church, they became who they really are. And unfortunately, and the sad part of this is, is there are many folks who don't want anything to do with Jesus because many of us don't represent Jesus very well. I don't think intentionally, but unintentionally. And then, then we've got to add another layer. If, if you maybe are under the idea or someone that, that Christians are just hypocrites, not even doing what they say they should do, well, it complicates it when you get a group of Christians together. Because if you get a group of Christians together, uh, we begin to call, like, because when they begin to sing together and do stuff together, that's a church, Right. So then you have another problem. So we're going to add to the layers of questions. What fun this is going to be. Why don't Christians look different than others? And, and who needs the church? Like I said, it's going to be a light sermon. Just surface stuff. But instead of, listen, instead of folks who want nothing to do with Christians or the church talking about how there's hypocrites in the church, should we not have this conversation as well? I think the mature thing to do is not just to tell other people, well, you're wrong or you're overgeneralizing. Or, no, it's where I think you and I should say, okay, okay, there's no hypocrites. But let's make sure, let's talk about that a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. First one, why don't Christians look any different? I'm not talking about physically, by the way. Uh, but why don't they look any different? Well, that's not the agenda. That's not what Jesus said to do. So we're going to start off with not making an argument, but just showing you what did Jesus say. So John 17. If you grew up in the church, you know this. You might even have this one memorized. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Now, if, you've not, if you're new to the Bible, you may not know what's going on. Let me tell you quickly what's going on. Jesus is soon going to be crucified. If you look at your historical line, he's soon going to get crucified. Before that begins to play out, he is found praying to the Father. So think about like in your final kind of like when you're speaking to the father and you're like, like father, big deal what's being said. And notice what Jesus is saying to the father. I do not ask that you take them out of this world. Here, short little sermon here. <laughs> uh, Jesus is saying this life matters. Just, just take a note with that first slump. Like he's saying, I, I don't want you to take these people out of here, which tells you then out of here, here is a big deal to God. That, that your life, I, I know it's broken. I, we don't have time, really, to go through all of the details of just how broken. You and I could swap stories, right, about how broken this world is, how consuming all the bad is in this world. But, but many of us have taken that, and that's all we talk about. And so then we just go to our corner, and we think we're going to wait this out and say, Jesus, come back. Then we're not treating this life like it matters. Notice Jesus speaking to the Father says, don't take him out of here. Some of you are frustrated by that. But there's a point to this. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. There's this battle going on. They are not of the world, 
just as I am not of the world. Now, here's why if you grew up in church, you heard something similar extracted from that verse, not word for word, saying that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you remember talking about hypocrisy, that you're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world, right? In the world, like you're here, you, you didn't choose that, you're here, uh, but don't be of the world. And here's the problem. That of the world part, woo. Um, let's just say people have made their own interpretations of what not being of the world is. Depending upon where you grew up or, or who taught you or what church you were part of, denomination or whatever, not being of the world could have meant um, you, you have to do your hair a certain way or you can't do your hair a certain way. You can wear jewelry, you, you can't wear jewelry. Uh, there's different groups who are like, you can't have a TV in your house or you'll be of the world. And None of us would have known what to do, football and all that stuff. But the, I'm telling you, some people got so literal, they wouldn't put TVs in their house. They would set it right outside the house. I'm not joking. We have a tendency to get around the rules. huh? All I'm trying to point out is people who have, I think, maybe with good hearts, I don't know, but let's just assume the best, that with good hearts, they'd be like, yeah, we got to be in the world, but not of. And we begin to look at different portions of Scripture, oftentimes miscontextualizing them and going, okay, well, not being of the world means don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And we think that's as deep as it is. You better dress like you're supposed to. Don't watch what you're not supposed to. Be where you're supposed to, and don't be where you're not supposed to. And I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Before you think I'm a heretic, I think I know what Jesus meant by not being of this world. Matthew, uh, Matthew 16. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower... If anyone wants to be my follower, if that's a new language to you, the way of Jesus, become a Christian. If, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Woo. That's a lot deeper than don't wear earrings. Don't drink alcohol. Don't cuss around your parents. Okay, but I'm just saying, doesn't it seem to be a little deeper? And I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a comparison on purpose to stretch out this a little bit so you understand. Then it says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. I think we need to begin to recognize it's not just about the, the do's and the don'ts. There's a deeper heart issue that I think Jesus wants to get after. Not only that, give up your own way, but take up your cross and follow me. There are things you must deny and let die to follow Jesus. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. It's that, a little bit of that legalistic, but also that do whatever you want to do. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And that a classic statement, yet profound, is anything, is anything worth more than your soul? The answer is no. <laughs> I believe when Jesus is like, keep him there, but protect him against the evil one, it wasn't you and I going, I guess we're not allowed to watch TV anymore. I think it was deeper than that, like, oh, oh no, I think, I think, think my soul and who I give my soul and what I give my soul to matters to God. So while I'm here on earth, if I don't want to be a hypocrite, it's about making sure that the almighty God who I profess faith to has my soul, has my dedication. 
And if that doesn't annoy you, it ought to. Have your, have your own way. You lose that. Have you ever been married before? <laughs> have you ever had a sibling before, right? Like, you know what? This gets tense. Let me highlight a portion of this that I really wanted to stand out here. If any of you wants to be my follower, and I'm, I'm not intending to be harsh here, but I want to go slowly at this part because many of us think we're following Jesus. Listen, and we're not. We're just, we're just not. We signed up for the prize, neglected the process of what we've got to do with surrendering our life to God. If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way. Do you, that's hard. That's, I think I have to do that hourly. It's annoying, right? Have you ever had it been in a conversation? You recognize that, oh, maybe there's hurt there. And you're like, well, then I, I got to get retribution or I got to figure out how. And you begin like, wait a minute, that's my way. What's the way of Jesus to forgive? See, you and I have a constant battle that I think we're ignoring. In fact, and what it's got us doing is the hypocrisy part of it. I'm going to say it a different way. Many of us say, I love Jesus, but we're actually half in, half out. We're out when we're choosing our own way. We're back in when we're choosing his way. And it's called the Christian hokey pokey. It's not in my notes. I just did yeah. But I'm just telling you. We're like halfway in, right? We're like, yeah, this is cool. I love this. This God thing, it's awesome. Salvation, that sounds amazing. I want some of that. Maybe being a good moral person, that sounds fantastic and the way life should be. But see, but then the, it comes to your own way when you, when you challenge your own desires, your own wants, your own hurts, your own pains. Then you're like, oh, shoot. It's my time, God. Don't mess with that. That's my money, God. Don't mess with that. That's my hurt, God. Don't mess with that. I told you it'd be a light sermon, just super light, just half in, half out. It doesn't apply well to other factors of life. Let me just give an example. If you are a parent or a grandparent, would you be okay with the teacher of your kid showing up for only half day and then leaving? Most of us would be like, No. Okay, let's not get so extreme. How about emotionally? What if, what if the teacher of your kid was, yeah, like some days was all for teaching and some days was more, they're just going to look through their phone all day long. Most of us would be like, phone call real quick. We're going to deal with this. Some of you call way too much anyways, but you're like, I'm talking, you're going, hey, I'm going to get involved. See, think about how involved we would be if the coach was half in, half out. If the teacher was half in, half out. Let's get more personal. What if... What if your spouse was half in, half out? What if your best friend was half in, half out? Some of you right now are saying that is your life and you know how painful that is. Then why are we cool with it, with God? Why do we think God just glosses over that kind of stuff and says, mm, grace, mercy? Uh, I think I've told a story a long time ago about Katie and I when we, when we started dating. Um, I did not do it well. Uh, and so I, I'll tell a story on me. Uh, Katie and I met, fell in love, did like, you know, the long walks around the park and all the, the romantic stuff and all that. Uh, but then something resurfaced in me. What she barely knew anything of, but I began to divulge some detail, is that I had previously had a long relationship where my heart had gotten more than stomped on. 
um, betrayal, manipulation. It was pretty toxic relationship, and I left that relationship pretty jacked up and had resolved that I would protect my heart from then on. So I met an incredible woman named Katie. We fall in love, but then all of a sudden my heart started feeling stuff. I'm like, uh-oh, I need to protect this thing. And so I would show up for a day and be not nearly as emotionally involved in the relationship with Katie. She thought maybe he's just off, weird, or maybe it was the pizza from last night. Then I'd be all back in. I love you. This is great. I'm dropping everything to be a part of her life. But then another day would come and I would be emotionally just completely disconnected. What I was doing, if you're a good psychologist, was I was trying to protect my heart and I thought I believed the lie that if I didn't let myself fully get invested emotionally, then I wouldn't get near as hurt emotionally. What I had neglected to consider was what that was doing to Katie. She didn't like it. If you don't already like Katie, you're going to like her now. Uh, she told me, David, um, I'm out if you don't change this. Say, she's awesome. Uh, she gave me, I think it's called an ultimatum, uh, which is fine, which is fine. And it's what this immature guy, this wounded guy needed to hear. But what she's telling me is, hey, I don't want to be with the guy that's half in, half out. And this should challenge us that the rest of the world is actually not wanting to be a part of Jesus. And if you want to know why, it's not about Jesus, it's about you and I. It's us being half in, half out. They know what church you go to, but they also work with you. You you see the quandary? Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Some of us think half in, half out is working for us. It is not. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, uh, I was always a horrible student and will often tune in and tune out in class. So let's review class, what these verses have shared with us. Half in, your way, you're going your way, and it's a selfish way of living. Half in, half out, the reason you're half out is because you're pursuing some endeavor that you're just in the mood for or feeling for or going for. It's selfishness when you're unwilling to sacrifice on behalf of the other person. The same thing goes with God. God's way becomes a life of sacrifice. Welcome to one of the most unpopular sermons I will ever preach. You want to follow Jesus? Choose the way of sacrifice. It doesn't fill the altars. It might meet some empty seats next week. But your soul matters too much for us to neglect the conversation that some of us just needed God to interrupt our regular routine and say, you might be half in, half out right now. Would you please address it? Would you please address it? John 17 gives us like why this is a big deal. This is not just about being a good Christian that makes other people say, okay, you're not a hypocrite. That's not the agenda. The prayer was that we would be kept from the evil one. If you're half in, half out right now, you're extremely vulnerable to the evil one. 
In fact, you're right exactly where he wants you to be because if you're half in, half out, not only can he take you out, but he can get a bunch of other people to buy in as well. It's my firm belief that many people don't want anything to do with Jesus because many of us are grossly misinterpreting and not living out this following the way of Jesus. So if you needed your sign, maybe this is your sign. I'm not trying to convict you or condemn you. I've got stories, if you want to swap, of tons of hypocritical moments in my life. But I am so grateful that certain people at certain times in my life said, hey, David, it's not matching up. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit just stepping in saying, hey, don't do the half in, half out. Now, that complicates stuff, right? If, if you and I, as, as a group of followers of Jesus Christ, are half in, half out, that means that we're a group. There's this collective group unified under Jesus known as the church, which then we got to go after this question. Now, who needs the church if the church is full of hypocrites, half in, half out people? Who really wants to even be a part of that? Maybe you hate organized religion. Okay? I don't know what unorganized religion is, but I, if maybe you hate, or I know what you mean. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. But maybe you don't like the church. Maybe you're watching on TV or your phone and you don't like the church. I don't want to be a part of it. I can love Jesus away from the church. Who needs the church? In fact, the church is so full of uh, corruption, pastors that steal and, and abuse and do all this crazy stuff. And then the, and the people in the church too are equally as bad and there's just a mess. I don't want to be a part of this organized group of people that's basically just screwing everything up. Have I said it? I'm, I'm, okay. Who needs the church? A word of caution before I spell out what Jesus thinks about the church. Nowadays, we see something that's wrong and we cancel it. We see something that's wrong, an error, and you're right, you're justified, you have your, your proof, you understand like what that group of people or what that person did, they screwed up. And we have a tendency now to say then it all needs to be thrown away. Be careful. In fact, um, let me show you some scripture and you'll know where I'm coming from and then I'll share. Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. This is talking about marriage, by the way. But it's interesting that in the midst of marriage, the comparison being drawn, that Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He gave up his life for her. If, if you want to throw the church away, be careful is what I'm saying. Because if you throw the church away, you're throwing something away that Jesus, according to Scripture, he died for it. It's a big deal. You may not like the church and have your stories. I'm a preacher's kid. I got more stories than you got. In fact, here's a crazy moment. Jesus talked about the church and who he said it to. If you don't know the details, I'll share it. Matthew 16. Uh, and I tell you, you're Peter. Why that's important is Peter was... Peter got his imperfections written into the Bible. Your imperfections are not written into the Bible. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's this moment that Jesus is looking at Peter. He's saying, Peter, all right, I'm going to use you and the people who follow you to build, look, whose church? His church. 
It's not your church. It's not my church. It's not the denomination's church. It's, it's his church. But note who he's saying this to. He's saying this to, for lack of better words, a screw up, a loud mouth. Peter would deny, would deny the existence of knowing any kind of anything about Jesus, his close friend and rabbi. He would reject him. There are stories after story of Peter and Jesus like, hey, hey, imperfect guy, I'm going to build a church off you. It tells you something that you need to recognize. You may hate the church and say the church is full of, of a bunch of screw ups. The answer is, okay, Jesus knew it too and still did it. Then to complicate all that, Jesus, Son of God, do you know that he attended church? I would hate to preach in front of Jesus. <laughs> it says in the Bible, uh, this is just one of the examples, and I find this fascinating. Three days later, so the whole family, Jesus' family, went to church and went to the temple. Uh, they leave. They forget Jesus. I would not have forgotten the Messiah, but anyways, that's Mary and Joseph. I'm sure they've dealt with that already. Three days later, they get back. They get back and they'll go look for Jesus, whom they lost. Three days later, they finally discovered him where? In the temple. Interesting where he was. Hmm. Sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, I don't think she said it that nice. I'm not going to say, well, son, uh, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Note Jesus' response. But why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? This should mess with you and I. Jesus was willing to go to church with the imperfect people he knew everyone was over and over and over again. One of the lessons, God knew his church wouldn't be perfect. Do you know why? Because it requires people. Let that begin. If you don't like the church, if you're like, I could just go out to the hills by myself and enjoy my own little time with God, you're right. But that is not supposed to replace the church. The church being a group of people, other followers of Jesus Christ. They're, well, I'll read some more, but you'll begin to learn that we need each other and we are extremely imperfect. If it needs to go on the record, let me set this straight. Fountain Springs Church has hypocrites and we're glad about it. It's the kind of church we got to be. We're, we're in no way trying to be this museum of incredible Christian artifacts. We're going, well, look at that person. They're amazing. Look at that person. They're amazing. No, you and I, we've got to say, okay, there are people who have done this imperfectly. We've all done this imperfectly. But Jesus still built the church on imperfect people. Quit using that as an excuse. We'll go back to John 17. Uh, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, okay, in, but not, okay, or, but that you keep them from the evil one. You and I know that personally we should fight the devil, but what about, what about corporately? What about in a community? Notice that this is being spoken to not just one Christian, but multiple Christians. Christian community is crucial, according to Jesus. You may not like the church and say it's imperfect. That's fair but you still need Christian community. 
You still need other followers of Jesus in your life, sharpening you, helping you. Hebrews 10 gives us better words than I could articulate. Let us hold tightly without wavering. If right now you feel like, I feel like I waver all the time with God. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. There seems to be this group effort to following the way of Jesus, not by themselves, individualistically, which our culture wants you to live individualistically, wants you to live by yourself, in a sense, emotionally, saying, you do you and be by yourself. Let's think of ways to motivate one another, acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Interesting. So what's David said so far? Basically, a couple things. You and I need to look at our level of commitment and our level of community. And the reason that we need to do this is because you and I need to consider that we want to be devoted to God and we want to kick Satan's butt. I know I'm rewording that, but this feels more pertinent. And you can decide to say, I don't need those imperfect people. I don't need this. There's this story. There's that example. Maybe you've been wounded by the church and you've got all these bad examples. And I understand how difficult it is to come back to trusting. But I'm asking you to trust Jesus, not the church. Summed up, here you go. This is going to be profound. You need a church. Find one. I made sure it didn't say you need this church. There's nothing in my being that feels like I have to have you in my church because it makes me feel something. I want you to know who Jesus is and to be fully devoted to him. And I don't think you can do that well without a church. And I think for some of us, our culture has us tricked right now where we think the answer to imperfect churches and imperfect Christians is to say, forget them all. Some of you are like, nope. David, I can follow Jesus. I got my own community. got my own, my own people. And I can stay devoted. And you're right. You're right. You're okay, okay, okay. Well, then what do you do with Mark 16, 15 that says that Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone? How are you going to do this by yourself? I need you. Do you understand that even though, yes, I'm a reverend, regularly don't call me that, I need you to invest in my family. And I think you need me. And when we begin to quit belaboring the fact that we're imperfect, and we say, you know what? You know what hypocrisy really is? Hypocrisy isn't messing up. You know that, right? That's what the news will tell you. It's not true. Hypocrisy isn't messing up. Hypocrisy is, is messing up and saying it wasn't a mess up. Hypocrisy is saying, I believe this, and someone calls you out and you say, well, no, you're just reading that wrong. Hypocrisy is saying that I, I'm just, I'm going to try to hide. I'm trying to hide stuff. Hypocrisy is not, whoa, you're right. I shouldn't have said it that way. I'm so sorry. It's not, we can make mistakes. 
So what do you do? What do you do with this sermon? Uh, I'm just going to be blunt. You okay with blunt? Here's blunt. Invest your time, talent, and treasure into your church. Whatever your church is, if you're watching in Nebraska, find a church and invest in your church. Invest everything you've got. You've got time. I know some of you are like, no, David, we do not have time. Yes, you do. You just have to make it. Make the time to spend time with people. You have talents too. I know some of you, good South Dakota way, you're humble. You're like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, you've been gifted by the Lord. You should be using that for God. Wherever that looks like, however that looks like, but I would say to benefit the church. Not to make a church a certain size, not to make a church some, to make the church be what Jesus said to be, where we're supposed to go anywhere and everywhere to everyone and let them know who Jesus is. And then oddly enough, most people are cool with the time and the talent, but then there's that treasure part. You're like, what? I think you should pour money into your church. There will be more open seats next week. I'm aware of that. Uh, But I just want you to know, according to the stories that Jesus told, that was his method of making sure that the gospel would get to everywhere and everyone. Light sermon, light sermon. Half in, half out. Where you at? Let me give you an opportunity. You want an opportunity? It's very simple. Uh, Coming up is uh, Easter. Yeah, some of you are like, what? Yeah, Easter. So we're like, you want to know when Easter is? We never know. It just moves around. I think I really hurt someone's faith the other day when they're like, how do we determine when Easter is? I was like, I, it's pretty much where the moon is, is what someone in charge of the calendar is doing this. If you know what Easter is, Easter is our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. It's a big thing. It's a big deal, right? So I wanted to give you as like, like base level, like entry level into this. How do you and I begin to, to not only make sure that we're not being hypocrites half in, half out? How do we be a part of the church the way Jesus intended the church to be? Well, Easter's a great way. So here's step one. You need to get tickets to come to Easter. They're free, by the way, if you bring it, they're free. They're free. But you need to get your tickets. The reason we do tickets is because everybody and their mother shows up. And it's awesome. We're excited about that. But you, I want you to have a seat. I don't want you to show up all dressed up, all nice and, and pretty, and you took a shower that week. It's going to be great. Right. Listen, listen. I, I want you to have a seat. You need a seat. I want you to have a seat for your friend that you'll bring, so you need to get tickets. You're going to need to go to the website or to the app to get tickets. You have to have tickets. Your kids don't have to have tickets, but if you're in the auditorium, you have to have tickets. Are you catching my drift yet? But you need tickets. You're going to need tickets in order to go to Easter. Tickets are required so that we're able to disperse everybody amongst many services, so you need to get your tickets. The tickets are available on the internet or the next steps. You got it? Tickets? You're going to get tickets? You're going to need to get tickets. Some of you are going to wait, and you're like, I wish we had learned, and you're going to have a fight. And it's, Anyways, get your tickets. In addition to getting your tickets, I hope you'll be a part I hope you'll serve, I hope you give, I hope you invest. And I hope it goes beyond Easter, frankly. If you haven't heard anything, let me say this. I feel like I'm supposed to say this. 
If you have ever been hurt by the church, if the church has ever done you wrong or someone that you're very close to wrong, I'm sorry. If you've ever had a pastor not practice what they preach, I'm sorry. I can't promise you my perfection or the perfection of Fountain Springs Church. What I can promise you is we're going to do everything we can to not be half in, half out. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you, would you help us all receive from your word what we're supposed to? I would imagine, Lord, that some of us are thinking internally about our half in, half out. Some of us are thinking about our involvement with your church, our thoughts about your church. God, wherever we are, your Holy Spirit is so good. Would you speak to our hearts, Lord? Help us know what we need to know and do what we need to do to be fully devoted followers of you. God, thanks for meeting with us. What a privilege. God, we love you. Help us to be your church the way you always designed it to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.